Hello. What's up? All right. Um, well, thank you for joining us. This is the Master Blaster Podcasters. Putting misinformation on blast, we are on RSS.com, currently about to distribute uh, to all major platforms. Look out for us. Um, we have had three episodes so far. We had uh, Woke Ideology, Global Warming, Immigration. Uh, we will get back to the political uh, um, discussion next time with QAnon, which will be our fifth episode. We are going to go a different route here, and, and I'm really excited about this. We do, uh, if you look at our page, it does say entertainment news. Uh, sometimes we do things beyond uh, just political talk. Anyway, today we have a great, great subject. The top uh, 20, we each have our own list. Uh, dirty mouth here. I am uh, Jesus, uh, at least for the time being. Yes. And... Um, We've got our top 20 list of the best horror movies of the 1970s. Um, we're going to spend, uh, we're going to start at 20, go down to number one. Just give a brief little uh, synopsis of the move, of our list starting at 20. Um, first, let's um, do a little bit of background. Uh, and by the way, we, we should do a sequel of uh, the 1980s shortly afterwards. Hopefully, you'll, you'll like uh, these episodes. Um, now, Dan, just to start, start out, just for a couple of minutes, let's do a little background on horror movies, uh, which in America um, certainly you can go back to um, Nosferatu. I, now, I mean, I don't even know if it was that an American movie or was that a German? It was German, flick. It was German? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you got vampire flicks go back, uh, you know, those Dracula, the huge monster movie outbreak of the 1930s with Frankenstein, the mummy, um, Dracula, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, um, and on through into, uh, the 50s, which was a different type of monster movie, more of like the creature feature, um, movies that my dad used to spend a nickel or a dime to go see at the local cinema. Right. Uh, he had like, uh, I don't know, yet uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon and um, The Thing from Another World, which is uh, uh, one of the few from that area that I've seen that I think is actually really good that turned out to be an even better movie um, from John Carpenter, who's I'm sure going to have some on our list here, yeah. uh, The Blob, and then we went on to, they went on to Godzilla movies, and um, I can't forget King Kong, which is probably, uh, uh, which was an amazing Spectacle back in the day, lots of money spent on that. Anyway, we are big horror movie fans, and so um, we're going to do our list. Uh, hey, DM, before we start at number 20, anything else you want to touch upon as far as the history of horror movies, why we're doing this list, how, how much you love them, etc.? Oh, yeah, I love them. I uh, grew up watching horror movies uh, every Sunday. Um and then in the afternoons uh, on the local, I grew up in L.A., so um, I think KTLA was a local station, and they would play, uh, they would they would have they would play all kinds of horror movies uh, and B movies uh, in the afternoon. So I got to watch a lot of horror movies, um, and uh, it just you know it, ha it had a big influence on me. So I love it. Cool. Okay. Um yeah, horror movies. I'll tell you what. I, I probably watched started watching them too young. But uh, yeah, and, uh, 
our lists, uh, you know, DM, I don't know about you, but I, there's some movies from the seventies that I still want to see horror movies, yeah. uh, things that maybe we'll talk about a few of those after we go through our list, but there's certainly some ones that I can guarantee that I would like if I saw them. I just haven't seen them. So I didn't put them on the list. Sure. Um, Okay, so let's start at uh, number 20. DM, you can start. You do your number 20. Uh, we'll do a brief conversation about each now. Each person, their number, that person will do more of the talking about it, and we're certainly going to duplicate some of these. We have no idea about each other's list, where we're putting our numbers. But anyway, let's uh, go ahead whenever you're ready, DM. Um, I guess... Did you have 20? You I don't 20? really have 20 because um, I just went through all the 70s movies. Like I watched, there was a show back in the day called uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. And every Sunday she she would go on. And uh, so I don't really have like 20 because uh, some of these aren't even horror movies. Some of these are just like strange or funny. Um, but uh, what the hell? Um I'd have to say, I guess we could say, like, Village of the Damned. I don't know if you ever... ever Village of, was that a 1970s movie? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, uh, let's see. Do you know what year it was released? Let me look. Uh, how many apps? Um, blah, blah, blah. Village of the Damned. And I swear, man, a lot of these are remade, too. Um, I mean, I have Village of the Damned as in 1995, originally 1960, oh, and 1995 remade. Oh, my bad. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, well, that's, that's not on the list. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, I watch a lot of these movies. I don't, I wasn't even aware of, like, when they came out. I just could tell by the, the, uh, oh, wow, there's another one. Well, I love this. How many do you have that you could, uh, how many do you have that you could have a definable list of? Is, is yours maybe more like 10? Yeah. I, well, let's see. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so if yours is 10, why don't we do this? I will, uh, we could do my list together. Uh, my from 20 through 11. I'll name my list. Um, comment freely on it if you want. Uh, sure. Just don't give away your position if you have it on your list. Right. And we'll see if you've seen them. I'm sure you've seen some, if not most of them. And we'll just give a, we'll give maybe like a minute to each one of these, uh, or sure. a little bit more than a minute. So number 20 I have is, and I haven't seen this movie in a long, long time, and I would really love to go back and watch it because uh, I do forget some of it. Uh, number 20 is a movie called Black Christmas. Huh. Um, I'm not sure if you, have you heard of this one? No, that sounds good. Okay. So this was uh, 1974. It starred uh, actually uh, John Saxon, if you remember him from Enter the Dragon. Yeah. Um, he was a big 70s star. Um, I'm sure, I think he starred in a John Carpenter movie. I can't remember. Yeah. Maybe Halloween 3 or something. Anyway, it also co-starred Margot Kidder, uh, who's on another movie on my list. Um, she, of course, was in Superman, ended up to be a pretty big star. Yeah. And Andrea Martin, actually, as well. Andrea Martin starred in this movie. She's from SCTV, which we love to talk about oh, uh, wow. frequently. 
the Black Christmas was considered is considered one of the first slasher movies ever. 1974 predates uh, Halloween, and, and uh, which a lot of people think the Halloween started the slasher film. No. Um, what I remember about this is just a bunch of people in a house. I think it's like COVID or something like this. Yeah. And there's a, a killer calling and stalking them. Um, and the irony of this one is, of course, uh, it is directed by Bob Clark, who coincidentally, uh, we're talking about Black Christmas, he directed the movie A Christmas Story. Really? Which is our generation's, yes, it's our generation's uh, It's a Wonderful Life. So he started out in horror movies. He did another one in 72, which I haven't seen, but uh, Bob Clark actually did this movie. Huh. Um, very scary, uh, definitely recommendable um, so okay, that's uh, Black Christmas is my number 20. Nice. Uh, moving on to number 19. Now, number 19, I didn't even know if I should include this in horror uh, because it's definitely exploitation. Yeah. Uh, the title is I Spit on Your Grave. Oh, wow. So this was made in 1978. Uh, stars Camille Keaton. Uh, it's about this horrible case of gang rape. Uh, Sean, what did, <laughs> DM, what did you think about this uh, this movie? Well, first, I did they remake it? They did remake it um, in the 2010s. Wow. I think everything in that time period is remade. They've um, remade just about almost everything we're going to talk about has been unsuccessfully re 2013. Yeah. Uh, no, 2010, excuse me, which it was when it was remade. Uh, very few of these, if they were remade, uh, were, were better the second time. But uh, what did you think about this when you first saw it? Just rough. Just like uh, I didn't I didn't understand it because um, I was a kid when I watched this stuff. Um, but I, it's, yeah, it's just, uh, just kind of scary. And it's, you know, it's like the pre I'm in the house kind of uh, scenario flick. Um, yeah, I liked it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, it was, uh, an infamous movie because more than any other movie on this list, maybe except for one or two, uh -huh. uh, this was banned in a lot of countries. It was, ah, there we go. was not seen. And, uh, and anytime you can live in that kind of infamy, I think that the, uh, when you're banned, I think that's, uh, a rite of passage into horror movies. Right. So, um, I spit on your grave, 1978. Um, I guess I don't have anything else to really say about that movie. Again, we'll have more to say about the ones that are on the top ten because those are going to sure. be the classics and the ones we love. So, number 18. Let's go back to 1972. I believe this was 1972. And I just want to confirm that. The movie is Last House on the Left. The original, yeah. The original. This is a Wes Craven movie. Oh, um, nice. And, yeah, it's now technically it's supposed to be uh, a movie, a statement about Vietnam, which... Really? Another, another, yeah, and it's about the, I guess, the, the dichotomy or the schism of the Vietnam War happening during the hippie era. Right. So you have like these, I think there's two hippie girls in this and they're confronted by um, a, 
a gang of thugs who basically defile them in, in every way. Sure. And it's, it, there is some shock value there. This also was uh, a movie that was banned in a lot of countries. I'm not, did you see the original one? I did not. I hate to say it. Uh, okay. Well, it's uh, the remake actually was pretty good. It was remade, I believe, in 2005. Um, I, I actually think the remake could was better in some ways. Huh. Uh, so this was Wes Craven's original. This movie, which was the ultimate low budget, I think he made it for like sixty thousand dollars nice. when he was in New York. Uh, so it was. Uh, there's definitely some grotesque scenes of guts and this and that, and huh. um, so it's a yeah. It's now again, it, it barely made my list. Um, I have it on there more. I, I really wouldn't even care to see it again. I really have it on there more just for popularization of yeah. the horror genre. It, it deserves some credit for influencing so many other horror films. Well, Sean, um, S., Sean S. Cunningham is was the producer. Aha. Who, again, who directed or produced Friday the 13th. Yeah. In 1980. So right. he's, had a, he's had a pretty good uh, career. So it definitely launched the careers of... Uh, some pretty important people. Now, nineteen number 17, this is an interesting entry that I have because it's more of a short film. And again, it introduces a fantastic filmmaker named Sam Raimi. In the oh. 1970s, specifically 1978, the precursor for The Evil Dead was a student film. He did, I believe it was at the University of Michigan or Michigan State, and it was called Within the Woods. Uh, you can see this on YouTube. It's less than 30 minutes. Oh, and wow. It's basically, it's, look, is this a great... It, no, no. I'm putting this on here, crediting it, crediting it for starting one of the greatest horror franchises. Uh, unfortunately, there's no other... No Evil Dead movies released in the 1970s, but again... This uh, is a precursor for these great movies to come. Nice. And it just gives some very um, basic uh, changes, like when people become evil, evil hits. But it introduces the camera going towards the uh, evil being, the camera going towards the characters and, and stalking them. So uh, I will give it credit for that. Nice. Uh, everyone dreams of, yeah, everyone dreams of doing like a... Uh, a nice movie, like a college movie, something to kind of kick your foot in the door. Um, which, uh, another one higher up on our list will be uh, similar, just to a much greater effect. So number 17 is Within the Woods by Sam Raimi. Let's go to number 16. And we, we talked about I Spit on Your Grave, which was a very uh, 19 on our list. Controversial movie that had a famous scene where a part of a man gets cut off in a bathtub. Um, our ninth, our 16 movie also met lots of controversy when it came out, and they attempted to ban, or they did ban it in lots of countries. They attempted to stop the release in some others. Um, the movie is called Faces of Death. Is that, and would you, yeah, is that, would you consider that, like, technically a horror movie, or is it a documentary? It's a documentary, probably more. Okay. But it was released as a movie. It's certainly... Exactly. To look at. Uh, yeah, it's it's very little. I mean, it's uh, it's compared to like a sort of a snuff film, um, but it made a ton of money. It made uh, thirty five million years ago, which you know back then that was 
That was a lot of money. Um, so wow. yeah, Faces of Death. Yeah, 1978. A lot of people went to see that. It spawned a lot of sequels uh, through the years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I barely remember the original. I think the, the last one that I really remember could have been part three or four. They started to like. Uh, they started to. Uh, they started to blur together though, if you because it's the same. Yeah. Like dynamic in every every one. I. They're you know it's funny is they're they're gonna do a new one, and revamp it and then. Uh, it's gonna be a movie, based off of that and uh i forgot who's gonna star in it but yeah they're gonna because that that had a huge following i mean when i was a kid it was always like this big this big thing this big you know between me and my friends to see if who could like handle. a rite of passage yeah for, it, was, for me, it was like a rite of passage you watch it yeah you get grossed out and you see dead things or people being you know uh animals surgeries too, yeah. and yeah and animals uh uh, it's really, it's kind of, I, I certainly wouldn't really care to watch it any more at all. I never really cared to watch it in the first place, but for viewership, for shock value, uh, and just for the fact that it was so popular, wildly popular back in the day, Faces of Death. And I'll never forget actually going to the movie, uh, the VHS store when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, going to the movie store, the movie rental store was such a big deal. And I remember just... The, the cover of Faces of Death. It was basically a face of a shit, just like a skeleton. And yeah. it was kind of like added all over that band in this country, band in that country. Kind of like I spit on your grave. So It's the best marketing. It's like when you say your it movie's is. been banned, your people are going to want to see it now. So You might as well like say to a child, like, I dare you to watch it. Right. So, um, all right, so that's number uh, 16, Faces of Death. Let's go to number 15. This is definitely a movie. And it came out of nowhere. Nowhere, it was kind of a low-budget hit. 1974, a very chilling cover to this uh, movie, as far as seeing it back in the VHS days. A movie called "It's Alive." It's alive. Let me see. I want to say I've. No. Well, let me start. I'll start talking yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. 1974. They did make some sequels to this again. This made some pretty good money. Made a, um, a little dent in the horror industry. It was about a oh wow a mutant child that was born. They did do uh, some remakes of this as well. Good cast. Um, yeah, good cast. The cover actually was this cradle with this mutant alien-looking hand coming out of it. And um, it says there's only one thing wrong with the Davis's baby. And, of course, marketing is a huge part of horror movies. Again, it's a mutant. And it, what it turns out to be, if you watch this, um, a little bit of a spoiler alert. I'm not going to give away the end-end. But it's there's mutations going on around the country based off of um, some leaks in the soil or in the ah, water from yeah. uh, chemical corporations that are creating mutated babies. Wow. So after this first baby, you'll see a few more in this area. And the next thing you know, at the end, you get um, whoever is investigating this gets some call from another city and saying, oh, we got an outbreak here too. So um, it sort of ends in a it's not going to end sort of way. Yeah. Um, Leave you hanging. But I, 
Yeah, I definitely recommend that. Okay, now we're going to get into number 14 is probably of the movies that we've seen is, is the most popular one so far. Um, we're going back to, let's say, 1976, I believe, and I'm right. My, one of my absolute favorite all-time directors is Brian De Palma. Yeah. Uh, made some great movies. We know of... Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time is Wise Guys. It's like a spoof on a Danny DeVito movie, a spoof on uh, The Mob. Um, he also did The Untouchables, um, many other many other movies. I don't know. If we don't have time really to go through his entire list, but yeah. fantastic director. The movie is Carrie. Oh, uh, yeah. Came out in yep, 1976, the Stephen King book, obviously his first book. Uh, talk about a cast. I mean, this is... Uh, Sissy Spacek, who I believe did end up winning a um, an Oscar for Coal Miner's Daughter. Yeah. Um, and she it also also has Nancy Allen, who's done a lot of different uh, horror movies. Uh, she did one in the early 80s, a very popular one, I forget. It was about a serial killer. Um, I thought she was also in one of the Halloween movies. I could be mistaken. William Cat, who ended up to be, who was the boyfriend of Carrie, of course, ended up to be the last American hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look yeah. what happened to be. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. It was a great, great cast. Yeah, he was also in House. And, of course, John Travolta. Right. Plays the drunken asshole. Right. Uh, Amy PJ Souls. Amy Irving ended up marrying Steven Spielberg. PJ Souls was in Halloween, and I think she was also in Rock and Roll High School. Um, so anyway, it it's, uh, was remade oh, wow. uh, it's, yeah, ridiculously. I think the remake was, was so good. Nancy but, Allen, she's in it too. Did you say that? You said that, right? Um, no, Nancy Allen, yep. She's good. Uh, I just want to go over real quick. Piper Laurie's really good. Uh, yes. Sydney Lasik's really good. Uh, Edie McClurg, that lady is one of my favorite oh, my God. comedic actresses ever, dude. She is so funny. She's awesome. Awesome. She was in uh, what Ferris Bueller's Day Off. She's right? a John Hughes woman. Like she's in Absolutely. all his movies somehow. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Remember my when favorite. Steve Martin goes up to the counter? Right. You're fucked. My favorite fucking uh, Hughes movie. So, um, yeah, Carrie. Uh, it actually made nearly thirty-four million. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it was made for one point eight million. Right. So if you're talking about uh, making 17 times what your original investment is. Now, what I, one thing I can say about this movie is the twist in the original writing uh, story by Stephen King. I love the – he really goes after religion quite a bit, Stephen King does, and small towns. Right. Uh, these small towns that think that they're better than big cities. It's kind of a racial thing. Uh, don't want to be around – much diversity and would be a lot safer. Well, actually, no, you're not. Um, it, that was the theme of it and so many of those other stories. But I love how the the character of the mother, the overzealous religious mother, is just a really strong character uh, in this movie. I believe that's Piper Laurie that plays that character. Um, but anyway, Carrie, I definitely recommend it. Of course, there's a scene at the prom where, which Classic. popularized the use of pig's blood. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, whoa, whoa, pig's blood. What am I talking about? Yeah. Uh, they poured pig's blood, which was actually corn syrup, that they really used. Um, she got hit with a bucket of pig's blood. Right. Anyway, um, and then she totally destroyed the high school. Um, great movie. So, okay, let's move on to number 13. 
This one is a TV movie. Came out, I believe, in 1976 or 1970, maybe 1975. I found it very eerie, and it's The Legend of Lizzie Borden. Um, huh. dude, I'm not sure if you've seen that. Of course, yeah. you know about the history of Lizzie Borden. Now, the interesting thing is um, who played Lizzie Borden was, is it Elizabeth Montgomery? She's a star bewitched. Yeah. Uh, which was a very interesting choice of Lizzie Borden. I thought she did a great job. It was very eerie. Uh, they did a very good job to, with the setup of the small town, the music, the old sort of like the little small town music. Right. The score is very good. For a TV movie, uh, this is, uh, I think, pretty chilling. Um, there were a they lot. Great... What's that? Actually, the 70s was great. I, I watched a oh. lot of... Uh, TV movies that scared the shit out of me, uh, as a you know major feature would. Absolutely, there's going to be one coming up that's in my top ten. That was a TV movie that was one of the scariest I've ever seen. Um, so, Legend of Lizzie Borden again, Elizabeth Montgomery. Now, the, the the thing is, is that everyone's always wondered how she did the murders and how she got away with them. Everyone just assumes that she did and that she's guilty, uh, including me. What's a great twist in this is, uh, and if you know the Lizzie Borden case, I believe she burned uh, a dress the day after the murders. That's and everyone said, no, what, are you, what are you doing? You're burning evidence. I mean, that's, that's a major piece of evidence. Um, they found a bloody rags down in the basement um, they were soaking in water. What she said is, uh, well, it's my time of the month, and so that's why. Ah. And you know, the primitive ways of taking care of that back then were keep a bucket down in the basement, I guess. Or some people did it. Some people thought she was cleaning up her bloody clothes before she destroyed them. Right. Um, uh, they also found a little piece of a hatchet in the basement without the actual metal blade part. Um, it really all points to her. Now, in this movie, this is a spoiler. Look out for this. Cover your ears for just like 10 seconds. She goes in the nude and kills both of her parents uh, to not to produce blood splatter. Um, so that's what she does in the movie. But again, I don't know if that's necessary because of the bloody clothes that are found. Anyway, it's the, it's the, the twist that they took uh, about the movie. Um, okay, so that's number 13, The Legend, Legend of Lizzie Borden. I highly recommend that you watch it. Uh, going on to number 12 here, we're cruising along. This is a movie, GM. I, I would be very surprised if you haven't seen this one. This is one of the most popular horror filmmakers of all time. And I guess it's considered his, his masterpiece. We're talking about Dario Argento, who brought a Hitchcockian approach to horror movies in the 1970s. The movie is called Suspiria. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, do we able to watch that one? Have you seen that one? Uh, there's the remake they put out, but um, I, I think I saw it when I was younger, but I I don't remember a lot of it because I didn't really understand it either. You know what? Yeah, it's it's hard to follow because the scripts. I don't remember too much of it either. What I do remember is heavy use of colors. Uh, the director did room colors of rooms, colors of clothing. It's basically, I think, fashion models being torn apart um, or ballerinas being torn yeah, apart, yeah. something like that. And um, 
it was very atmospheric. He did a great use of uh, music. There's a band, a very popular European band that I've never really heard of called Goblin, who did the score of um, of a lot of his movies. Now, uh, with his movies, like I said, there's a Hitchcockian approach to this uh, as far as beauty, uh, beauty in the actresses, beauty in the colors and the settings, and then death. Um, so there, there's obviously something there. I did, now, he's taking what I consider a, a bit of a snob's approach to, I think he is. I could be wrong about this. I believe he's taking the snob's approach to filmmaking and saying, let's take this average script that most people would make into this average movie and let's make it a work of art that people are going to talk about 40 or 50 years later. Right. Uh, because the spirit to me was, not, I, like you said, hard to follow. Um, don't remember much because it was really, it, it, there was really not much of a script. Um, I don't remember too much of the dialogue. I don't remember the actors or actresses really. Yeah. Um, but uh, supposedly it was based off of an essay called Spiria de Profundus. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm looking at it. 1845 was published. Eight, yeah, 1845. Oh. Uh, the movie, it was released in Italy. Of course, it's an Italian movie. Uh, made nearly $2 million in North American wow. just as rentals. It might not have even been released in America at the time. I don't know. Um, not but I know that, yeah, I know that he's a very influential filmmaker. A lot of people have been influenced by his films, especially visually. Right. Uh, maybe not as much by the story. Anyway, all right, so Suspiria is our number 12 list. Most people would have that on a uh, yeah. list of the greatest horror movies of the 1970s. Now, we'll move into number 11. After we do number 11, uh, DM, we will go to our regular, um, uh, uh, basically, of, of how we're going to do the show, our outline of the show, which is we'll, we'll get into our top 10, and we'll do them one by one, and we'll do them individually. Okay. So number 11... Now, let me go back to this. I believe it's 1979. Let me just make sure. And it is. Okay. Uh, the movie is called When a Stranger Calls. Huh. It stars Charles Durning. As some people remember, he's a small actor, excuse me, like a character actor du jour. Um, kind of reminds me of oh, Brian Denny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in Tootsie. He played uh, Jessica Lange's father. I thought Tootsie really was a, a woman. Right. I was hitting on her throughout the movie. Anyway, it also stars Carol Kane, love her. who is uh, great. Uh, she ended up, of course, doing the TV show Taxi. Yeah, I love her. Uh, Andy Kaufman, uh, very good actress, very convincing, too, in this role. Uh, this is based off of, um, and I'm trying to look at, uh, there's a, Maybe another movie on the list that's based off of The Babysitter Murders, huh. which is either a book or it could be just sort of uh, folklore, sort of. And, and, and I looked this up because I, I have seen this movie recently. It was remade. I'm talking about the original. Yeah. The Babysitter Mur Murders basically was uh, this girl in a small town who went to the center of town with her friends 
And I guess she was young. She was only 13 years old. And she, her and her friends were downtown at the high school and dressed up in sort of provocative clothing, wore makeup, and were walking around. And supposedly a lot of cars were passing by hooting and hollering. And later on that night, she was babysitting a family friend's a child. I think it was like a three-year-old son. And she was... Uh, raped and murdered in this small town. Oh. And there's a lot of, uh, supposedly, there was a lot of phone calls going into the home from the person who ended up killing her. So there was a stalking uh, element to this story. Now, in the beginning of What a Stranger Calls, uh, DM, have you been able to watch this movie? No, I'd, I'd heard of it, but uh, I'd never seen it. Okay. I highly recommend it. It's it is a little bit similar to Black Christmas in the fact that Black Christmas is a killer stalking um, the victims through phone calls, but um, this one is just one victim. Yeah. Um, and the, you have the first twenty minutes basically, which is girl um, is babysitting children. Uh, I'm not going to give away the spoilers because the spoilers are everything about the entire movie and the spoilers really are actually pretty scary. So the only thing I'll give away from it is that she's sitting there in this house alone. And of course it's dark. I don't know why in horror movies, when people get scared, they don't start turning on lots of lights. Right. They don't. Anyway, <laughs> so this is dark house. She starts getting calls about, have you checked on the children in this demented voice, an adult male demented voice? Have you checked on the children? When is the last time you've checked on the children? Yeah. And she's like, well, what are you calling for? Who cares? And I, Or, you know, basically she thought it was a prank. Eventually she calls the cops and they trace the line. The big, I'll give this one spoiler away. The big thing is that she, they call her back and they say, uh, you need to get out of the house right now. And she says, why? She goes, we trace the calls they are coming from within the house. So the killer was inside the house, nice. terrorizing her from one of the ins from a from an upstairs phone. Uh, anyway, I won't give away. There's another part of that that is very scary uh, that I won't give away. The rest of the film is not as scary, although still good because I believe some years go by. Um, this man is either let out, he's insane, and gets out, or escapes. I think he escapes from an insane asylum. Um, and he terrorizes her. She moves to a different city, and he continues to terrorize her and find her. Uh, so, again, uh, very scary. The first 20 minutes are some of the most intense uh, footage you'll see in a horror movie. And I can't recommend it enough. And hopefully, if you've heard the spoiler, you'd still want to watch it. I'm telling you, it's still very good. Wes Craven anyway, took oh. that. Use that and scream. That was like the th big thing in scream too. Oh yeah, yeah. The beginning phone call right. and uh, terrorizing somebody somebody through a phone. Good catch. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's start with our official top ten list of the best horror movies of the 1970s. Hopefully, we don't find one we we miss later on and say how do we how do we miss this one. But okay. apparently we will. So, DM, do you want to start with your number 10 movie of the best horror movies of the 1970s? Um, let's see. Um, 
there's a movie with Shelley Winters called Whoever Whoever Slew Auntie Rue. Wow. And do you ever see that? No. I've never even heard of it. It's real, I've heard of Shelley Winters. Yeah, she's great. Uh but and she plays a good like she's a uh she's a, a widow and the plot is she lures little kids in and then like tortures them. And wow. it's about these little kids and they, uh, they actually like escape, like they fight her and all that. Um, hold on. Where is it? Who, uh, Do you know the year that it was released? 71. There we go. 71. What's yeah. the title again? Whoever slew Auntie Rue. I had to look this up because I was like, what the fuck is the name of this? Um, now, when did you see this? How old I, were you? I was you like really little. Uh, let's see. So it probably, probably when I was like seven, seven or eight. And it was on. Wow, that is, that is, <laughs> I think might, some people might be disturbed how young we were when we saw it. Oh, yeah. And. And and it's and it's the reason it, it freaked me out because uh, you know it's like you have this woman you know and like I'm young so I'm you know I look at women as maternal figures in general because I'm a kid and you see this woman and she's like luring kids into her home like you know like uh, Hansel and Gretel you know it's kind of like similar to that and then the kids and what's great is the uh, that the kids that she gets one of them or two of them, like, they, they fight back and escape, and she's just a fucking psychopath, and this it's how, it's her performance. Like, Shelly Winters is great. She's so dramatic, and she's a fucking nut in this, and uh, I, that's how I got, you know, I learned about Shelly Winters, and this is one of those movies I watched when I think it was played after, you know, in the afternoon, afternoon, uh, you know, movie on the local channel, KTLA, I believe, and um, it was just, you know, it just freaked me out because it was so fucking, so bizarre for me to see this. Yeah. Well, it sounds pretty scary. Was there a scene, if you remember, does she, when she lures one of the children in, does she take them by the hand and then cut their hand off with a knife? I think so. I just remember it was one of the most disturbing things. I remember seeing a movie and it was one of those things where when I was a kid, if there's a horror movie on it, in the 1970s on TV, right. I'm, I'm talking about maybe 79, 80. I mean, right. I was born in 74, so I'm talking about 75. But say in 1980, 79, they, there were some pretty disturbing things on late night TV oh, yeah. um, that they would show. And um, I remember watching something. I was up, I was like, can I stay up late? Sure. And I saw this. It was a very peaceful, serene setting. Uh, these a child comes up, I believe it was a young girl, and this nice old woman puts her hands out, and as soon as the girl puts her hand on her, she smiles and pulls out a knife and begins to cut her hand off. Yeah. And I remember saying, is she going to cut her hand off? And my mom's like, that's it. Change the channel. Because right. like, my dad's like, he can handle it. He's a he's a big, tough guy. Right. And uh, my mom's like, no, no, no more of this stuff. So, yeah. um, All right, so that is number 10, DM on your list. Uh, my number 10 is a film that uh, I'm going to intro this. I'm going to have a little bit of intro to this because it really scared me because I lived on my childhood home 
we moved to in, Stur- in Sturbridge, Massachusetts, was 112 South Shore Drive. The address of the home of the horror movie in this movie is 112 Ocean Drive in the South Shore of Amityville, New York. Nice, yeah. Uh, the movie is the Amityville Horror, uh, released in 1979. And I remember years later, um, there was a really crappy remake of this with Ryan Reynolds. Uh, he sucks in that movie. I, I yeah. really don't like him in general. Um, but anyway, um, the original movie, uh, I remember reading the book by Jay Anson. I think it was like 22. And a lot of these things that I saw the movie of, I went back to my early 20s or late teens and wanted to read the book. The book at the time, uh, I'm talking about 25 years ago, was very, I couldn't put it down. I read it all in one night. I was home alone at night, and I got really scared after I read it. It was one of those things where I was hearing little things in the night after I read it alone at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, but it's something as an adult that I look back on, and it's it's obviously a hoax. Um, the original, if anybody knows the background, the origin of the Amityville Horror is not a hoax. It's where... No, it's, it's uh, a true story, yeah. Absolutely. There's a drug addict named Ronald DeFeo who murders his entire family. Now, um, he says that a ghost came down in white, they were ghosts in white, came down, handed him a shotgun and said, kill your entire family. Um, he was whacked out on heroin. What we now know, well, what, not that we know, but I, I don't think this has ever gone into public record regarding the murder, but what he said later on, he says, like, look, this wasn't, uh, I was trying to plead insanity. It wasn't a ghost. It was my older sister. And he says, me and my older sister had plotted to kill our parents. And she said, that, what he said is that she gave him the gun and said, kill the parents now. He went into the bedroom. He shot his mom and his dad. What he says is that she took the gun and went up the next story to kill little brothers and sisters. I believe there's two brothers and one sister besides them. And he went up and said, what did you do? We were only supposed to kill the parents. And then he said she was going to try to blame the whole thing on him because she wanted the inheritance. They were talking about uh, how, how rich they were. So she tried to shoot him. He grabbed the gun from her and he shot her on the top floor. So anyway, I, that, that sounds pretty believable to me because one thing I kept thinking is, is how can everyone stand still basically while everyone's getting murdered? Because if he was the only one to do it, he would have gone to the second floor, then to the third floor, then to the fourth floor without anybody putting up a fight. Um, anyway, in the movie, one interesting thing, of course, was the red room in the basement, which supposedly... The history of this property was that there was a guy named John Ketchum who used this property. Uh, the house had since been rebuilt, except for this basement. And what he did is he was a guy that in colonial days, uh, what they did to some of their freaks, um, uh, some of the original you know, pilgrims or the original settlers, is they would assign them to other types of duty instead of putting them in a prison. They, and what they did to him is they said he was a nutbag that liked to experiment on people and, and cut them up and stuff. What they did is they housed, they used his house to house um, refugee Indians. And supposedly he took them down to the basement and tortured them in this basement. 
Um, the, of course, like I said, the, the house was, was rebuilt. Um, now, the second family to live there were the Lutzes, and I, that's where the bullshit comes in. Yeah. Uh, where I think everyone believes that it's a hoax and that they didn't really, the door didn't fly off. There wasn't a real, a little baby pig that befriended the daughter. Um, that's just my opinion. However, it is still a very good horror movie. Uh, you got Margot Kidder, who's in Black Christmas. And oh, she's, um, great. she's great. And uh, who's that guy? Uh, the guy who oh. married. Who uh, married. Oh my God! Uh, the guy who married Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand, James. yeah. James Gro- oh, what? Groden. Uh, that's Charles Groden. Or- no, it's James Brolin. Brolin, very close. Brolin, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the most ridiculous overactor of all time, Rod Steiger, whose performance I think is a little bit of a joke in this movie. But anyway, very good, uh, very good movie, and it was actually a huge, huge independent film. Uh, made even more money than Halloween. Hmm. Uh, came out the year after Halloween and just tore through the box office. I remember yeah. it just being... Uh... Anyway, all right, so that's not my number 10. DM, let's go to your number 9. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'd have to say there's a movie called Psychomania. Wow, excellent. I've never heard of it. It's like a British horror flick. It's... it's, 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 it's it's scary, but it's more so uh, just bizarre. Um, basically, uh, a violent. A, there's a psychopath, and he's the leader of a violent youth gang named the Living Dead. They dabble in black magic and spend much of, much of the time uh, located. At an ancient ruin, oh, located in Surrey countryside, uh, and they worship like a a frog god, um, and then they get, they basically get, they get, they, uh, where is it? They, the the leader commits suicide, and with his mother's help, he returns from the dead, and they grant his whole gang like. Like you know, powers. Wow! And it's just—it was one of those other movies I just—I watched on Halloween. Um, I was a second grade or whatever, and it was just on. And the biggest scene I remember—like seriously, it was like that. And then I watched Kisses uh, Night at the Carnival or whatever that shit movie was, but. Uh, oh God! Yeah, that did yeah. suck, huh? But I you know, it, too, it was fun. You know, as a kid, you're watching it because it's so ridiculous. I was a big Kiss fan back then, but um, that's huge. That's how it was, and uh, you know, they lumped all these movies together. But it was weird because like they're riding around and they have like this superpower. And one of the things I remember is one of the guys riding his little motorcycle. He rides it right into a wall, and it gets right back up, and it's like they're driving around on their bike, on their bikes, and it's like just being a motorcycle gang, but, like, they're dead. So it's like they're just ongoing and being more like a, not really scary, but more like a nuisance to the local community. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those movies I, I won't forget because it was just so bizarre. I love it, man. I love when... Um 
unfortunately, my top ten list, I think, has more as a lot of mainstream horror movies. I really almost wanted to stay away from it because the fun of this is bringing up old horror movies that nobody's heard of. Um, so kudos on that selection. Yeah, it's about black magic and the undead. Um, anytime you combine those two things together, you're going to get something scary. It's a right. British movie. Um, excellent. Okay, so let's go. My number nine. <clears throat> I'm going to go to the year 1979, a film directed by Don Coscarelli, who I, I really love. This guy uh, directed The Beastmaster in 1982. Oh, wow. I must have seen that movie. That and The Outsiders. Those two movies in the early 80s, I must have rented and saw those 50 times, or Cinemax. Um, yeah. I'm looking at his other films. I mean, he did the sequels to the movie I'm about to mention. All right, looks like that's about it. But, all right, so the movie 1979 is called Phantasm. Oh, um, my God. I forgot. I love that fucking... That movie was another one I saw late at night, and it scared the shit out of me because of the fucking tall man, or whatever he was called. Angus Grimm. Great. Just amazing actor, real fucking scary, and it was one of those other movies where it's like, there was always a theme during the 70s horror movie where you just can't kill the villain. Like, the monster is unstoppable. And this guy was weird, and then the scene where he's got, like, and it's funny because they the images um they look just like the the Jawas from Star Wars, but the little demons. Yes. Uh, yes. And then you find out like there's a there's a portal to another dimension and all this shit. And the whole time it's like this guy's out of nowhere and he's fucking and he's after this kid and his brother, and it's like and you remember the bald guy that was friends and he had like a barracuda, and yeah, Reggie. Yeah. I mean, it was a great fucking movie. And it's like, you know, I looked it up and I couldn't believe it. There was a seat. There was like four or five of them over the years. I saw two of this. I saw part two and part three. I enjoyed all of them. Every single one that I watched. Um, and you can't forget, too, that little ball that well, you would send them after. And this is what it was, is he was stealing the dead. He would go to, uh, from the, to the grave, steal the dead, turn them into these little zombies that would do his bidding. Right. Um, and basically, he was uh, an undertaker. Yeah. Uh, the Tall Man. Now, the Tall Man, they've done, they really copied this character that was created in recent horror movies. He may become, or he may be titled like the Slim Man. Yeah, yeah. Or the Thin Man yeah. or whatever. It's sort of like a tall guy in black, tall thin guy in black. This guy who did this movie was the original guy. He was, I don't know, six foot ten, something yeah. ridiculous. Real he was incredibly tall, very, um, very scary looking dude. And uh, again, it was uh, one of those uh, came from out of nowhere horror movies to be quite a big hit in 1979. Yeah, huge, um, huge, huge hit. Like I said, it, it did enough to. Uh, Phantasm 2 was, was good. Phantasm 3, I think, was a little better. I think Phantasm 3 was really good. But, oh, wow. Um, but as far as I know, they made a 4 and, a like you said, a 5. I, I, I want to say this reminds me of Tremors, of the movie Tremors, because they kept making them and making them and making them. And the Reggie guy, the, the bald guy, keeps starring in them. And I think the guy's, like, almost 80 now. Right. And yeah. he's, he's been in 
I think just about everyone ever made. Go back and watch the first one to any um, listeners out there, the original Phantasm movie, that's P-H-A-N-T-A-S-M, uh, made by Don Coscarelli, 1979. All right, so, DM, let's go into your number eight selection, best horror movie of the 1970s. Uh, hmm. Oh, Return to Boggy Creek. Return to Boggy Creek. I did see that one. It scared the fuck out of me because I lived, I lived in California at the time, and I watched a show called In Search of, and with Leonard Nimoy. And loved it, loved it, loved it. Like, if you live in California in the seventies, there's like, there's UFOs, Bigfoot, and like crazy and murderers. And so, like, as a kid, I lived next to the mountains. And, uh, I was, you know, I got scared of, you know, the shit out of it. And I, I looked out the window and stuff. Um, and then, uh, on top of it, uh, I, you know, I, Bigfoot was a big thing back in the seventies and it was huge. And, and so, and then I had a friend who went on a trip up North with his dad and went camping or went somewhere and he claimed to, uh, have seen a Bigfoot. He's probably full of shit, but you know, being young and naive, I was like, you know, easily, uh, easily intimidated and, and very believe, believable. Uh, so it's like, you know, that shit scared the fuck out of me. And there was another Bigfoot movie, but that one was just super scary because a lot of it was like Bigfoot was like, he was scary because it was rainy and, uh, it took place, I think in the Everglades. I believe so, but it scared the fuck out of me, and it was because it was so mysterious. You didn't know anything about Bigfoot, but you just start hearing about this this mythical creature who lived in the woods. Yeah, it's in the 1970s. There was a heavy emphasis on either Bigfoot or grizzly bears, maniacal grizzly bears, or giant rats. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember. Uh, hopefully, this isn't on your list. It's not on mine, but. It was called the um, Food of the Gods, huh. which was uh, about some experiment where a bunch of vermin and things uh, become outgrown, like giant rats and stuff like this. Huh. Of course, there was the movie Ben with uh, yeah, yeah. by the giant rat with Mike Michael Jackson did the theme song to that. Oh, um, wow. Anyway, yeah. Um, anything out in, in nature, and by the way, back in the 70s, People loved, I loved the natural habitat of being out in the woods. Besides being a horror movie, I loved the beautiful scenery, which is yeah. kind of lost in modern movie. And this is why, uh, DM, you and I have gone out about this. Like, you love um, DC action um, movies, uh, superhero movies. I can't stand them. I, you know, yeah. I like them. I like Iron Man. I like Spider Man back in the day and Superman, but. Uh, and Batman, some of the older ones, but it's it's just gotten ridiculous. And and some of the old original uh, filmmaking, when you talk about um, beautiful scenes of out in the woods, I mean, I was a huge, huge fan of Grizzly, Grizzly Adams when I was a kid. Right, yeah, yeah. Because um, I love the scenery. So anyway, excellent yeah. selection for, for number eight. Um, I'm sorry, uh, did you have anything else to say about the movie? Uh... Returned about no, I think that was it, and uh, that was it. Yeah. 
cool. All right, so my number eight movie is uh, similar to Legend of Lizzie Borden, um, although it's considered a TV miniseries uh, made in 1979. Now, there's only two. If it is a miniseries, I believe it was only two two-hour episodes, if you want to call it a TV miniseries. Yeah. Um, the Ultimate and Terror. I'm looking at the cover right now, and there's a movie out right now which kind of steals the look a little bit. The, the movie is uh, The Last Voyage of the Demeter, I believe. Oh. So this movie is in the 1979. We're talking about Stephen King's Salem's Locks, um, oh. which... La- love it. Classic. Like, it's on my list. And that scared the fuck out of me, too, because of of how they 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 took the Nosferatu vampire and used that one, and it was like he was menacing instead of being, like, uh, a creepy, you know, sexy, you know, character. This guy, just, this monster was a straight-up, you know, uh, just evil, mon- you know, he was an evil uh, manipulator, and he was fucking scary because of the way he looked and his teeth and how pale. Absolutely, he looked. looked like a yeah, disgusting. Um, now in the book, if anybody's read the book, the book he is like dressed like a businessman and suave. And I tell you what, in the 1970s and the 1960s with Dracula, um, I fucking hated that. I hated those oh. like the slicked back hair. George, whatever the fuck that guy's name is, yeah. the Hollywood guy, George. George. The, oh, the, Hollywood, the pretty Dracula guy. with a tan. Yeah. Uh, whatever that guy's name is, he played the worst Dracula. Even, even Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, these great actors, uh, Shakespearean actors, they were great. I still didn't like those movies nearly as much as um, some of the earlier Dracula movies. Right. Anyway, this is uh, Toby Hooper who directed some of the greatest horror movies of all time, yeah. uh, did this. And I think this proved huh? that um, he could do movies that were not violent or gory. No. Um, it stars uh, David Soul from Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, I yeah. believe he was Hutch. Um, it, of course, a couple of very famous scenes. Uh, we're talking about the scene where the main boy, his friend... Is, is uh, who's become a vampire is outside scratching yeah. on his window at night and there's the mist around him. Awesome vampire makeup. And he's just basically hanging there and, and Toby Hooper describes a scene about making it. It really was uh, um, a legend, a fantastic horror movie. And um, again, I just a total credit to them changing the vampire into what I consider to be Maybe besides Nosferatu, the scariest version of Dracula that's that's ever been done in a movie. So. And, and he controls, like he manipulates. Uh, he he takes over the, I think the priest that was there, and um, he he just it scared me because you're I was I grew up Catholic and so like when you see a movie where like Dracula. Manipulate, start manipulating the priest. You're like, oh, all, all is done. Like, there's no, because you know, priests are always supposed to be the ones that you know exercise demons and all that shit. And he had no power over, over Dracula. So that, like, was the other element that freaked me out. Is like, oh shit, like, 
I thought God was going to protect me, but it didn't do shit. And so I was like, that's pretty fucking scary. It is. Excellent writing by Stephen King. And the guy who played the vampire, the vampire's name is Mr. Barlow. Oh. And Reggie Nalder, who who played him with this emaciated appearance. And I just remember that scene in the jail cell where the one drunken asshole gets thrown into jail. And uh, I think he was a wife abuser, child abuser, like uh, he used to beat his wife. So he gets thrown in jail and he's sobering up. And he hears the the door unlocked, the key with the door unlocked, and all of a sudden, this amazing use of music, the psychotype music, yeah. and just out of nowhere comes the vampire, stands up, and it's just one of the greatest vampire scenes in movie history. So menacing, um, yeah. Very menacing. Okay, so that's my number eight. Um, DM, go on to your number seven greatest horror movies of the 1970s. Uh... I like the movie Orca. That's pretty scary. Okay, Orca. Yeah. Okay. Do you know which? Uh, do you know what year that was made? Um. Uh, fuck, my computer just died. Um. Let's see. I'll do this. I can. I can look it up and discuss it a little bit if your computer's. Uh, Hold on. Uh, I got it. I got it. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. Gosh. Um, 1977. Um, it's about an orca killer, a killer whale who just loses his shit and he starts killing people. Um, takes place in Canada. Um, yeah, so he just loses his shit. Oh, and Orca intervenes and kills the shark, saving Ken's life. Switches Nolan's target to the Orca. Later, while hunting with his crew, Nolan tries to capture what he believes to be a male Orca, but mistakenly harp- harpoons a pregnant female. Oh, so it's just like a female Orca getting revenge for s- killing the child. But yeah, man, it was a scary what? movie. And I was into, when I was a kid, um, I was into ocean because I watched Flipper and I'd watch all these like ocean, you know, had Jaws and all. So I was like uh, big into ocean surfing and all that. Never did it, but I, I appreciate it. And so this movie scared the shit out of me because it's also like I live in California. So you've got Shamu and SeaWorld and all that. And to uh, imagine a, a great white or uh, sorry, an orca going rogue and killing people was like fucking scary as hell. Yeah, and you don't usually attribute that to uh, killer whales, but they are killer whales, and if there's one set on destruction, man could do a lot of destruction in the water. Oh, yeah. Um, quick question for you, DM. Um, we are an hour in, but, I mean, I probably have about a half an hour of, of footage left of uh, should we take a pause and then do a part two Attach it to it as one episode, or do yeah. you think you have a half an hour left? Yeah, I gotta, cause I gotta get ready. Yeah. Oh, it's at six thirty. No, we're good, man. Yeah. We're, we're good. good. Yeah, we're good. I just told I no, have more time, so we're good for half. We're good for half an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right, so uh, let me go to my number seven film here. 
Um, boy, this is what I'm really proud to include. It's, I was, boy, this film really took me for, for a loop when I was a kid. First of all, it scared the hell out of me. Uh, great acting, and it, and it combines two of my favorite things brilliantly. Uh, one of my favorite time periods is late 19th century London, which of course was uh, Sherlock Holmes and, um, uh, boy, of course, at that time, London was a superpower. Um, there was, I believe, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I'm not sure if that was written around that time. Yep. Um, it was a great time period for writing. Uh, it was a great time period. They were just churning and pumping out things left and right. Anyway, uh, one of the negative things about London at the time was Jack the Ripper. Yep. And uh, 1888, I believe, to 18, uh, it was 1888. Um, coincidentally, at the same time, one of the greatest authors in the history of books, H.G. Wells, wrote The Time Machine. Right. Um, and I'm not sure if it was exactly that year of 1888, but the movie that I have in 1979 is called Time After Time. Huh. Um, uh, have you seen it? No. Okay. This movie, it stars uh, Malcolm McDowell. Of course, you started in nice. uh, Planet of the Apes and Fright Night in the 80s. Um, great, great actor. I've always loved him. Uh, also, too, it stars Mary Steenburgen, nice. who is a great actress. She's uh, Ted Danson's wife. Uh, that would probably be the least of her accomplishments. I mean, she uh, was in, well, she's so great, and, and no matter what the genre of movie is, she was fantastic in Step Brothers, which is one of my favorite Will Ferrell comedies. She plays yeah. uh, Will Ferrell's mother in the film. Um, anyway, she's got a long, long uh, acclaimed history in acting. And the guy playing Jack the Ripper, David Warner, who is a British actor, I can't say enough about the performance in this movie. I think it's Oscar-worthy. Um, I've seen a few of his other performances, which are tremendous. Uh, for that time period, he really probably is one of my favorite actors. And what it is is Malcolm McDowell plays um, the main character from The Time Machine, creates his time machine, and what happens is uh, Jack the Ripper uses it to escape justice. And that's the theme is, is that that's why he was never caught back in the day. Huh. Um, and again, I haven't seen this movie in years. I'm not sure if uh, what I think happens is Malcolm McDowell builds a second model or uses his um, original model. Maybe he had two different time machines. Um, one of them is called a uh, not a floor model, but um, when you created a We'll forget about it. But it, basically, you create one model, which is your test model, right? And then, and then you create another one, which is your real one, right? So, I think that he uses one of them to go after Jack the Ripper, who ends up in late 1970s San Francisco. Um, and it is uh, great uh, cinematography around uh, San Francisco. Nice. It is a great story. It is great acting, and it ends up to be one of the surprise hits of 1979. I can't recommend this movie enough. Uh, it's Time After Time, 1979, which is my number seven selection for greatest horror movies of the 1970s. 
Okay. So, DM, what is your number six selection? Uh, Piranha. Piranha. 1978. Classic. And they remade that too, and it was like. I think it's a, as a comedy because it's just right too fucking ridiculous. But it's a great, great horror movie. Yet again, I had a pool when I was growing up, and so it was like kind of scary watching the movie like Piranha, uh, and it takes place in a lake, which is like you know ridiculous. But uh, great, you know, special effects. Uh, the sound though was more. It was more about the music and the sound of the actual fish coming mm. after the victims, like, fucking classic. Yeah. That is a, a movie that's, uh, I think, considered the original, at least, not the remake. Yeah. The original is probably considered to be, um, some, was somewhat underrated back in the day, and has probably enjoyed a cult audience since then. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would recommend that, too. I didn't have it on my list, but it was probably right outside of my list, 1978 Piranha. Um, good cast. Good cast. Um, all right, well, I'm going to move on to my number six, if you're okay, yep. PM. Uh, number six, very popular movie, 1976, The Omen. Oh, yeah, uh, that, that movie that movie scared me, and then it, it annoyed me because I was like, just kill him. Like, just kill the kid. How is this happening? You know, like, but I love that movie. It's great. Uh, yeah, great movie. Um, it actually... What a fucking coincidence. I didn't even realize this. Uh, first of all, a very good remake with Liv Schreiber, I believe, in, two, I don't know, in, like in 2000s, like 2005. Yeah. 2006, something like that. They were remaking a lot of these. Amityville Horror, all these, you know. Oh. Um, that one was one of the better remakes, I think. I think it was very good. Uh, anyway, what a coincidence. You talk about Gregory Peck is the, I believe, the president, right? And he's got his little he's asshole kid. He's a um, he's a uh, uh, diplomat, I believe. A diplomat, yeah. yeah I think you're right. Um, I think they make him the president in the remake. That's the difference, I think. Um, so we've got uh, Lee Remick plays the wife. We all, anybody who's seen that movie, spoiler alert, remembers that scene where little Damien is riding his little his big wheel. Oh, big wheel, yeah, yeah. Right throughout in the in the second floor. She's on a chair adjusting the lighting or something right. like that, or changing a light bulb. We all remember that scene and how it, uh, uh, so many great scenes. It's also the great scene, of course, where the nun comes out with a giant noose on the seventh floor of a cathedral, I believe, wow. or, or some building, and says, Damien, this is all for you, jumps out, hangs herself right. in front of the crowd. Well, I was going to say, what a fucking coincidence. How about this? David Warner. I just mentioned him in time, in time after time. What a change of character. He plays the uh, media. He's a member of the media, I believe, or the... Uh, how am I blanking on this? Well, what is the media in uh, the, the... Not the Illuminati, but what are they called in England? Come on, the Lady Gaga song. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Hold on. The media. The, the ones that go after celebrities to, to shoot them. Oh, the uh, paparazzi. The paparazzi. So I think he's a member of the paparazzi, and he notices he some pictures. things. Yeah. Takes pictures, and 
one of the most incredible deaths in the history of cinema. The beheading. Um, yes, that is what an amazing scene that is. David Warner is fantastic again in this film. Unbelievable, a great cast and unbelievable soundtrack. And the British guy. Right? Isn't he a British actor? Yeah, he's a British guy. Yeah, the British journalist. He's in. Um, he's in. A, he's in. A, he's one of those guys that's in a ton of those, like tons horror special. You know, uh, sci-fi. Like, you know, like. But yeah, he's great. Like, he tries to inform uh, Gregory Peck's character uh, that his son is a is a fucking demon, um, along with a priest, and they're like, "What the fuck?" You know, he doesn't. And Greg. Yeah, he doesn't believe him. Like, no way, that's ridiculous. And it's like, no. Nah, <laughs> yeah. So, the, and this is um, a huge hit. They spent under three million dollars and made over sixty million dollars back in nineteen seventy-six. So, monster hit. Uh, lots of uh, sequels that I didn't really watch. Oh, they're good. Uh, I like them. I watched the whole whole series, and I thought it was great. Like, uh, yeah, they kept it pretty good, man. <laughs> I, I gotta say, one of the funniest scenes in one of my favorite shows, Seinfeld, they talk about the omen and, and George, one of the characters, watched, stayed up watching the whole, uh, at least I think the trilogy, the, the three of them. Right. And they were like, what did you do last night? I stayed up watching all those Damien movies. And he asked Jerry, he's like, who is Damien anyway? And he's like, I don't know. I thought he was like some Antichrist or something. And then Kramer shows up. And they say, Kramer, did you see the omen? And he goes, oh, yeah. And they go, who's Damien? Was he the Antichrist? He goes, no, Damien, he was just, just a mischievous, rambunctious kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, all right, so that's my selection for number six. DM, let's move on to number five for you. Uh, the Exorcist? How about it? Yeah, classic. Scared the fuck out of me. It was actually, of all these, like, as far as, like, scary... That scared me the most, uh, you know, when the, the the peeing on the floor and then like the voice, um, and it's and it's I guess they had issues on the set. There was accidents. Like it's based off yeah. of like true events. Uh, the Exorcist priests, uh, this the Exorcist movie, like the script was is loosely based off of the story of the exorcist priest, uh, Russell Crowe's character in the new, in the movie that came out like this year, I think, uh, or last year. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's probably one of the closest, you know, cause it's just, it's, it's just so powerful in the way, uh, the, the, the priest to the main character, uh, how he's, he's, you know, he starts to be manipulated by the, the you know, the, the demon. Um, and this is how he's got to deal with it. And it's just so dark. And uh, and they just, you know, they just released a new one uh, with the woman who plays the mother. And I can't remember her name. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's classic. It's to this day, it's still fucking scary. I'll tell you what, too. Until it came out in 19... 19- excuse me, 2017, uh, oh boy, I, uh, I'll tell you what, I, that's one I would have put on there, I somehow omitted it from my list, oh, that's why, because it's not the 1970s, um, so, it actually, finally in 2017, replaced 
The Exorcist as the most profitable horror movie of all time. Oh, wow. The Exorcist held that title for 45 years. Um, great theme song, tubular bells, fantastic yeah. little piano riff. I gotta say this. Here, here is a very controversial take. This is mine. I didn't put it in my top 20. Um, I think the movie is vastly overrated. I think it was boring. I think it's a hoax. I absolutely don't think that it really happened. Huh. I think it was perpetrated by the Catholic religion at a time uh, that the uh, you know the hippie movement, even before the hippie movement went on, religion was suffering greatly. The Catholic religion we know is a business, right? Um, and they're they're losing money vastly. I think it's ridiculous that there's only one type of priest that can first of yeah. all the, the dominant demonic possession. I wouldn't believe it unless I saw it, number one. Right. I think there, back in the 1960s, there's all kinds of uh, medical issues that people had sure. that had crazy uh, diagnosis. By, and this was not diagnosed by a doctor or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I don't believe the family. I don't. I believe the family with the priest um, over... Uh, basically lied about the story. I don't believe it's true. And I actually technically, I saw bits and pieces of it when I was a kid. I didn't see it as a whole until the 2001 re-release. And it wasn't a remake. It was a re-release, mm -hmm. which I know it was 30 years after it was done. But I'm telling you, I went to the movie theater and, and people were just bored, just kind of sitting around going like, hurry up, and basically laughing at oh. some of the scenes. Because it just wasn't. Uh, now look, that is a very controversial take. You you take a look at what most people's lists are of the biggest horror movies of all time. Forget about the seventies. The Exorcist is in just about everybody's top five, including Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino and John sure. Carpenter and everybody that's ever made a movie. Basically, says that this has affected them like that. I am just. I'll admit that my take is is very different from from everyone else's take on this movie. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, so number five for me, um, you want to talk about, it came out in 1978. Uh, the remake came, blew me away in 2003. I thought it was, the remake was fantastic. Um, it is a, a basically a take, a foray about American consumerism. Uh, takes place on a mall, released in 1978, Dawn of the Dead, by um, George Romero, huh. um, is a, a tremendous, uh, excuse me, tremendous movie. I think it's the best zombie film ever made. I think it's better than the original, Night of the Living Dead, which came out
Um, just you know, it's classic. So, but uh, did you and I did you and I see the remake together? No. Okay, because it was around that uh, actually two thousand three. It was around that time period. Right. I, well, I know that I remember the remake. I remember the intro with the great Johnny Cash song yeah. uh, in there. And, uh, but anyway, okay, so that's my number five is Dawn of the Dead. Let's move on to your number four. The car. The car. Yeah. Interesting. I've never heard of it. Um, let's see. It's another movie I just saw. You know, I saw late at night uh, while watching. You know, TV it came out in 1977. With, uh, I guess, Ronnie Cox. But, um, yeah, it's just this car that keeps fucking going. Um, it's classic. Uh, it just keeps chasing... It just keeps chasing this guy around. Um, maybe it was a car... Was it car of the road revenge? Anyway, uh, no, this is it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it has this souped-up... I don't know if it's a Lincoln or whatever, but it's like this really unique looking car and it just keeps chasing this guy. The windows are tinted. Uh, it like, it, uh, you, you can't like destroy it. comes back to life. Um, it's just this ongoing movie. Uh, mm, very yeah. interesting. I've never heard. It. And it and has it a remake a and it's been remade too. Wow, the car. Yeah. Do you know what year it was made? Seventy-seven, uh, and it's just really, um, it's just really random. Uh, there's there's not really much to the plot. Just this guy trying to survive while this car is trying to kill him. It takes place in the desert. So this guy's just driving around, and so. Wow. Yeah. The possessed yeah, car. Looking at it right now, 1977. Well, the star looks like Burt Reynolds. Yeah, it's, it's what's his name? Who was in the Amityville? Oh, James Brolin. I think so. Yeah, is that yeah. James Brolin? Yep. Yep. So, yep. so here on IMBD. Um, cool. Was that a TV movie or a? I don't know, man. I I okay. watch these and I don't I don't know which was what. And, gotcha. Um, no good problem. cast. Good uh, cast. Boy, excellent, man. Good choice. Uh, you might be turning me on to a couple of horror movies I've never seen, um, which is uh, what this is all about. Uh, any of the underground unknown movies on here to me are uh, are fantastic as, as far as everyone knows the regular top ten that sure. most people would put. I think, unfortunately, mine is probably more of that. But uh, yours, I think, really has some good underground stuff and very interested to hear what your top three is. Um, so for me, number four is, again, very mainstream horror movie, but to me it was uh, the first of its kind, and I rewatched it. It's one of those movies where I rewatched every five years. I just saw it maybe a year ago, and it was unbelievable, just as incredible as I remember it. The special effects, unbelievable. Uh, Probably more of a sci-fi movie, but it is scary as hell. It's 1979's Alien. Oh, yeah. Uh, there we go. Directed yeah. by Ridley Scott. Yeah. Uh, written by Dan O'Bannon. Um, what's interesting about this, too, is the scene about the uh, the alien ripping out of the chest. I believe the 
the writer has, oh, he's got some kind of disease. Excuse me. Uh, he passed away, but uh, he had some kind of disease. Try, oh, that's what it is. It's Crohn's disease, something that infects your lower intestine. It's basically bacteria. And that's what he got that, out of it? Yeah. Wow. Well, he, the creature is how he felt. Um, the bacteria was kind of eating through his body and about to explode through. Um, if you see Alien, there's, you know, there's maybe a little bit of phallic reference to the face hugger. Um, either way, I mean, we're talking about uh, an unbelievable cast. Yeah. Uh, this movie, one of the first female heroines, uh, female action stars, really. Sigourney Weaver. The um, first, yeah, great. You're about, uh, you know who claimed to be the first was, uh, who's that girl that was just in that movie where she's trying to have sex with a high school kid? Oh, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, she said that and, like, felt, and felt silly after that because it's like, are you high? Like, right. <laughs> like, she didn't mean to do it. I'm not trying to say she's an egomaniac. Right, no, she she's just realized, you know, and she corrected herself. Nothing against her. Um, but yeah, Sigourney Weaver, um, what an incredible acting career she yeah. had. Um, she's the only person I don't, I believe this is a record as far as Academy Awards in 1988, she won the best actress for gorillas in the mist. Yeah. She also won best supporting actress for, oh boy, that movie. I'm going to look it up here in a second. It had um, Melanie Griffith in it. Oh, oh, um, Working Woman? No. Working Girl, yes. Working Girl, yeah. It's Working Girl. Um, I, I did not see, I might have seen Gorillas in the Mist and just forgotten about it. I think I did. I didn't I did not see it. Work. I was too young. Yeah, I didn't, um, Working Girl, I didn't see, um, a lot of people I know saw it and liked it, but... Either way, she's got uh, she's had a great love it uh, career as far as the rest of the cast, unbelievable. Yeah, Veronica Cartwright. Uh, Veronica Cartwright was originally cast as Ripley, and they replaced her with Sigourney Weaver. They felt Good. a little bit stronger. Um, Tom Skerritt, um, the guy with the mustache. Of course, he played Strawberry and Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke uh, the year before this came out. He ended up doing lots of different father roles and sheriff roles. Sure. And this and that. Harry Dean Stanton in this movie. Um, and who else? John Hurt, the British actor. Um, Ian Holm was in this. He played the robot, basically. Uh, I forget what they, they call that name. That guy's a sci-fi legend. Man. He is. He is Sir Ian Holm. He has been knighted. Um, he actually played one of my favorite renditions of Jack the Ripper. Um, and 2002, I think it was the, the something. The Johnny Depp movie? Yeah, the yeah, I liked Brothers it. or. The, no, it was the, not the, was it the Hughes Brothers? Well, it's the something brothers. Yeah, but it's a great movie. They filmed it in Poland. Yeah, you know, I gotta tell you, man, that the cinematography in that movie is fantastic. Right. But, I mean, this guy's had an, an illustrious career, um, and Yafit Kodo. Love that uh, guy. Is, Love that guy. Yeah, he was he was in uh, Blue Collar Man with Richard Pryor, right. uh, which was his first big hit maybe a few years before this. He also, I believe it was him, 
throws in one of my favorite 1980s movies, Midnight Run, with Fucking Robert De Niro. classic, like my favorite De Niro movie, I think, after I've always loved it, classic, just, he's funny, he's a straight man in it, um, one of De Niro's best movies, it's a comedy. Totally. Uh, I think he's an FBI boss or something. Right, right, right. he just keeps stealing cigarettes. Um, no, it's <laughs> such a, it's classic, dude. Yeah, yeah, but the original Alien, like, it's just, uh, it's amazing. I think, I think my wife and I watched it. I watched it again. I hadn't, I hadn't seen the original. I haven't seen Alien. I'd only seen it once when I was younger. Uh, and then I started watching all the newer remakes because they started, uh, they started, you know, revamping the franchise and, you know, kind of exp- elaborating more on the the bait, you know, the where the the base of this right. monsters from. And so it's great. But watching the original, it's like, it's fucking amazing. And like, uh, I, I love it. It's, uh, it's, it's just a, it's classic. Cause it's like horror sci-fi. And it's the first of its kind. Um, yeah. The, so. the actual alien design was so incredible. Right. Um, the way it's like part spider parts, octopus or something, part skeleton, um, there's nothing but mucus and heat all over the place in its, in its womb. Um, it is really severe and hardcore. Yeah, it's great. Um, and I'll tell you what, for years I thought that Aliens was better. The James Cameron 1986 film, which is unbelievable. I went back and watched the original, and, you know, for, for a sequel, I think Aliens is, is about as good as it gets. I yeah. I don't know which one is really better. People go back and forth about that. Which one is better, the original or the remake? Um, and you can make your own decision. Ridley Scott, the director, of course, uh, who did uh, the Gladiator. I mean, he did Gladiator. Yeah, he did, he did, 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 did a bunch of stuff. Maybe Black Hawk Down or something like that. Right. Or um, Anyway, um, all right, so that's my number four. Here we're getting down to it, the top three. The top three... Four movies in the 1970s. DM hit it. Um, top three. Um, I have to say Halloween. Probably Halloween. Or no, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. I liked it. It's, I, it's funny because it's like I just saw it for the first time. Because uh, I watched the first time. I didn't see it. I didn't see it at all my entire life up until uh, last year. I watched the remake. Um, I just never got into it, and then I finally watched it, and it's, it's fucking classic. I and it's based off of a of a true story in Texas. Um, so yeah, it's I think it's a good movie, and it's you know it's up there with uh, Friday the Thirteenth and uh, um, uh, and Halloween as far as like you know big menacing characters, and there's no there's no horror. There's no superpower to this. Just some freak that grows up in in you know redneck Texas and is abused and raised by fucking crazy ass fucking Texans. Um, classic, just uh, gross and funny. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say about it. You've never seen it? Um, I'm not going to comment on it yet. Oh, okay. Um, so I have uh, my number three as as Halloween. Uh, Halloween could be number two, could be number one. 
I have it as number three. Obviously, it's uh, probably, if it's not the most famous horror movie score, it could be the number two famous horror movie score. The most famous might be my number two selection for the best horror movie of the decade. Yeah. Um, there's a little spoil, a little uh, heads up for that. But Halloween, I mean, I'll, again, some of these movies, they almost sort of, their reputation precedes them. We, we almost don't need to do too much elaboration on it because of how popular they are. I mean, if you don't know about Halloween, yeah. uh, John Carpenter, I mean, I don't know what to tell you if you haven't yeah. seen it. Um, and again, it's, it's 2023, so you can try it now. But I saw it maybe when I was eight, nine years old. Talking about uh, 1982, approximately 1983. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, went on to become a scream queen. Right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other details of it. I, I did not like the remakes that were done by Rob Zombie. Um, really hated some of the scenes. I liked some of the scenes. I liked the the way he 1970s. The scenes. People dressed like the seventies. People looked more like there's a little bit longer hair with some of the kids. There was uh Alice Cooper T shirts and there was like uh you know, so I mean that part of it I think he did a very good job at, but I remember a scene where all of these wooden boards were all shaking as if Michael Myers was like twenty feet tall or something, it just was a ridiculous uh, Hollywood scene, so not a fan of that. But the original, um, love it. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's it for me with, with Halloween number three. What do you got for number two? Um, I, I'm done, man. I, I don't really try to think what else. Like I think I'm good. Uh, we can just go off your list because I because I just was like going off of like you know memory and like. I've watched so much stuff over time. I, I have to say, though, I loved the remakes um, because of how I like how Rob Zombie, like, kind of went and delved further into uh, uh, into into um, Michael Myers' past, like, how he became fucked up. I mean, Rob Zombie is like, he's like Tarantino, where it's like, you know, he loves horror movie. That's been his whole entire career. Um, and he's, you know, it's like either like his shit or you don't, it's over the top. It's like he bites that genre, you know, in, in the seventies, like no other, uh, and like, but he gets, you know, he's able to get good music and I like the cinematography. Um, I liked, uh, I liked the beginning scene where they show Michael Myers, you know, how he's developed into a fucking lunatic. Um, good cast. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's on your list? All right. Um, well, I'll tell you what, that's the only comparison I would make between Tarantino and Rob Zombie is that they both love horror movies. I think otherwise there really is no comparison with those two guys. Um, but I, I certainly respect your opinion. Uh, number two, um, probably should be number one. But uh, number two, the movie that really scared me in a practical way more than any other movie, um, talking about 1975, Jaws. 
Oh, okay. Um, I I didn't I didn't I I didn't want to. I kind of separated like giant monster movie movies with like slashers and stuff. Like I have a yeah, Jaws is up there. It didn't it didn't affect me like a lot of people it did back in the seventies and eighties. Because uh, I had a swimming pool and I grew up in California, so like you know I grew up around water and you know. But I thought I thought it was a great idea for a story, but it didn't. It didn't scare me like that. I just was like, I love the acting. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss is great, who's now a douchebag. Uh, the guy who plays the captain is great. <laughs> How's he a douchebag? Uh, he's a whiner. He's another, I think he's an anti yeah, he's, he's complaining that, you know, there's a cancel culture and that you can't do shit anymore, blah, 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 and all that shit. But uh, he's great in it. Uh, uh, Roy Scheider, I mean, this guy is like, He's fucking great. I love Roy Scheider. Um, and then the guy who plays the captain is great because he's like, I... Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. He's just like, he's like a... It's like he's got a pirate in him or something. like, Or he studied pirate movies where he's just like, he's perfect. I love it. Yeah. And now, him and Richard Dreyfuss really did not get along. Uh, during the filming of this, Richard Dreyfuss was, uh, quote-unquote, uh, who the whole time was complaining about the physical aspects of doing this film of having to be on the ocean so much. Oh, and he's like, what, what am I doing this film for when I could be in New York doing Broadway shows? So I'm, I'm, an, I'm an award-winning Broadway show. Right. But what am I doing? And then finally Robert Shaw says, don't you get the fuck out of here? Or I'm going to pop you in the fucking nose. Right. Uh, so Robert Shaw is kind of like an old school um, uh, actor, but kind of took his, it took this very seriously. Um, I'm not a fan of Richard Dreyfuss either, but uh, of course the, the the most amazing score, so simple, uh, just a minor note, Jajan, Jajan, right? And that is uh, the guy who did the score, of course, uh, John Williams, who ended up doing uh, Superman score. Oh wow! And yeah, Jones and. Um, Star Wars, of course. I mean, he did oh, wow. all, all of the ones, uh, Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Holy I mean, he really shit. was the major score master from 1975, at least for like maybe the next decade. That whole so, era, man, was like, you could take, like to me, I think the 60s and 50s had great TV scores, TV themes. And then like absolutely. The, the 70s, great like movie themes, especially horror movie themes, you know, like scores. Unbelievable. Great. Yeah, that, that's something that I, I today's, maybe even a, a movie that I mentioned earlier, the Amityville Horror, won the Grammy for best score. If you go wow. back and listen to that, it is creepy as hell. Right. Because they have basically a child choir singing, uh, which is supposed to resent, represent all the child souls that are trapped in the house. Oh, wow. Um, Anyway, Jaws, great to me. The to me, the, this is the thing. When I saw this movie, I remember being at the drive-in theater, the old-style oh, nice. drive-in theater where you take the big, huge, fucking-ass microphone, 1950-style, put it inside your car, yeah, and that was that was how you heard it. Or you could tune into a radio station, an AM radio station, right. which would do the. But I think the the actual unit that you had was better and louder. Um, and we went to see Star Trek. Nice. And we went to see Star Trek one and two. 
And my mom told me, and playing on the other side, if you remember the drive-in theaters, they had two sides of it. On the other side of the drive-in theater was Jaws 1 and 2. And my mom said, do not look, do not turn around and look at Jaws. You're going to have nightmares. And what did I do? I turned around to 75% of the movie and watched Jaws, and it scared the shit out of me to the point where, and I think the, the second one scared me as much as the first, which, by the way, I almost put Jaws 2 in the list of the top four movies because I think it is a very good sequel. But I remember taking swimming lessons at the YMCA, and it was a, we're not talking about a small pool. We're talking about a monster-sized like Olympic Olympic swimming pool. pool. Yeah. And I would, I didn't want to get in the water right after right. I saw that. And I jumped in, and every time I jumped in, I would go in without my eyes open. And uh, the pool was so big, I could barely see to the other side of it. I didn't trust it. I mean, I was like, whatever, three and a half feet tall. We're talking about a six foot in the old days. Yeah. We're not talking about little kiddie pools. We're talking about an eight foot deep pool. Yeah. And I just didn't trust it. And I was too scared. And it affected me. Um, uh, the house that I talked about growing up at South Shore Drive was, um, we had a lake. And I know it's a lake. I know it's not the ocean. It's still affecting me. This is the thing. Uh, they had, we had, basically had a little island, maybe 40 feet off of our dock. And we loved swimming over the island, going and hanging over there for a little bit, swimming back. This little portion, uh, underwater before you get to the island was so deep. All you could see was blackness. Right. And I remember looking down and just being so terrified at thinking that something might be down there. And it all was based off of Jaws. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, and, and dude, look, I said I almost didn't include this because I thought it was cheesy, a, a cheesy, like the, when I say cheesy, I mean like, of course it's, it's, it's almost like it doesn't need to be said. I almost wanted to make a stipulation in our list of like, no, I don't know. No movies that made more than a hundred million, or no uh, more than fifty million, yeah. or something, so that we stuck to smaller horror movies. Because, uh, and maybe we'll set that rule in the, for the nineteen eighties. But um, uh, was there anything else about Jaws? Uh, Ray Steiner uh, was scared of the water after doing that movie. I heard that too. I heard that uh, he took on the because uh, his character in there hated the water too, and I heard that in real life he. Uh, I, I gotta tell you, man. If I, I don't care if it's a friggin' mechanical shark or not. Yeah. One of the scenes is the mechanical shark, and we're talking about Jaws too. Oh. But one of the scenes is the mechanical shark coming up and eating uh, like a teenage girl. I mean, you can do certainly. Spoiler alert. You can do the captain in Jaws one, where basically he slowly, as the boat sinks down, falls into the shark's mouth, which is, you know, there, there are some things that are, are not true, like yeah. a shark can't just sit there with its mouth open, it has to constantly swim mm-hmm. or it'll drown. So there's there's some impossibilities there, but the point is is that I'd have a hard time, I don't care if it's a mechanical shark or not, going into a large shark's mouth because that was a very realistic looking um, shark that they built, like an animatronic shark, and I know that they had some problems with it electrically, like it would just constantly sink. And, That's scary, um, too. Anyway. What's that? That's fucking scary, too. It's like it's like malfunctioning and shit. Yeah, uh, because if it's malfunctioning, what if it bites down too hard? What right. If it, you know, I, I don't know. In the but ocean. Like, I, <laughs> fucking in yeah, the ocean. Uh, yeah. 
Spielberg's like, no, we're going to make this so realistic. Like, they did, like, 90% of the entire movie in the fucking water, and it's like, dude, what the fuck? And, you know, so it's like, you're really going to get your actors to fucking snap the fuck Now, similar to another Spielberg uh, movie, Poltergeist, do you know that Jaws was rated PG when it first came right. out? <laughs> um, how ridiculous is that? And, and actually, technically, the scene with the child, the little boy, that got an X rating originally for Jaws. They had yeah. to really cut that scene back because Spielberg went off on that scene and made it nothing but teeth and ripping skin and ripping flesh yeah. and eating eating of human being and blood and made it so gory that they said, you have to cut this down, Major. Okay, so we got our last one. We're up against it. We're almost done here. The last one, my number one, and the reason why I didn't, Comment on your Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, opinion is because it was my number one film. Oh, That's okay. the number one film, the number one horror movie. Um, I would put it as all time, number one. Uh, the reason why is because besides the fact that Toby Hooper is just what a genius this guy was, and I do not throw that term around lightly, but this movie he made um, right after we get out of school, I believe he went to University of Texas in Austin. And he basically made this film for $60,000. Yep. Um, they didn't have enough money. He, he went to research. He tried to get um, corn syrup for blood, tried to get plastic bones, and guess what? He didn't have the budget for it. So he went to a local slaughterhouse and got real bones, animal bones, oh. real animal blood. Um, they shot for in the house for weeks in 110-degree heat in Texas yeah. in August of 1973. Right. Supposedly it made it smell so bad that the uh, the cast members were throwing up. Nice. Another interesting thing is that the movie, there's two things about a movie. Number one, getting, it, getting money to get it made. The other thing is getting it distributed through cinemas. And you needed a distribution company. Nobody would distribute it, that movie. It was too controversial, right? I mean, it was just like, it was are you too fucking controversial. High? What is this shit? They wanted to ban. So you know who ended up distributing that movie is a company that was owned by the mafia in New York nice. in the 1970s. Nice. And what they ended up doing, this company is the same company that distributed Behind the Green Door. Oh. Um, and all of the original, um, what's, the first, what's the first or second ones, if you remember? The porn flicks? Yeah, not Debbie Does Dallas, but um, Behind the Green Door, Jawbreak, or Jaw, Oral. Oh, you talking about uh, Debbie? Debbie Does Dallas or Debbie? No, no, not no. That's in the late seventies. Oh. Well, anyway, whatever the first besides the Devil Behind and Miss Jones. Door, no, that was one too. There's another one I'm thinking of. It's not Jawbreaker. It's not like uh, or, Oral. <laughs> little oral, little a oral, a little oral Annie. Annie, is that one? This I'm telling you, there's one more that I'm not thinking of. Um, they distributed that, and they distributed porn. And what they did is they completely ripped off this movie. Made he made it for sixty thousand dollars, a profit at over thirty million dollars, which in today's money is I don't know two hundred million, something like that. Um, it's it's a ton of money. And they, they ripped them off. They didn't get paid. Basically, the cast wow. got paid maybe $500 to make the movie until um, the actual comp that company went under because they um, 
uh, they were prosecuted. Basically, the owners of the company uh, were prosecuted by the law, really? and they had to the movie and all the other movies, and this became public domain, and they were bought out by somebody else. Really? So finally, years later, yeah, the uh, Toby Hooper and the cast finally got paid uh, a fairly good amount of money. It was either the late 70s or early 80s, but it took that long for them to get paid. Nothing but controversy surrounding this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks like, in fact, Rob Zombie, we talked about him. This is his favorite movie. He's... Sure. Him and uh, Wes Craven yeah. and all kinds of basically like this looked like it changed the scope of how you make movies because it looked like a snuff film. Like it was so, um, uh, I, dilapidated. Raw. I don't know the, the, the right word for it, but it's raw, dude. It's just like, yeah, it looks it like a documentary. And some of the hardest scenes to watch Number one, the scene of the girl gets put on the meat hook is just, see it's not very bloody, not very gory, but that is just, anything about the pain of that, the, the torture behind it and the sadism, uh, oh, yeah. sadism is just beyond. The way, the way uh, Leatherface is so like calm, he, he treats the victims like animals. He grabs them, like he fucking just clubs yes. them. Like it's just, and you're just like, well, and see, I'm glad I watched it as an adult. I'm glad I watched it recently because, like, if I saw that shit as a kid, like, it kind of scared me. I did. Yeah, that's the important part. And it's, like, it was, like, so, it was just so raw, like, uh, and it, it was just, and, and the fact, you know, the family and how evil they were. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, everybody's in their dead bodies, like, all chilling out, like, uh, like in um, Psycho, you know, and, uh, but it was it probably would have it probably would have really scared the shit out of me. Um, I I you know that's been done so many times in that kind of technique you know uh, that it kind of desensitized me. Now it's like um, I don't know like human monsters. I I I call it human monsters my own genre name where it's just if it's humans. Um, based monsters, you know, serial killers and all that, uh, that shit fucks me up, or that shit's a little more disturbing to me than, like, monster movies. But to me, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was just, like, it's, like, the one of the beginning of that. You know, it's the the originator, just raw, fucking brutal. And, it, and I don't know if this is true, but, like, this chick I was talking to online, she's from Texas, and she said that movie is based off of a real uh, batch of, of killings in Texas, and that's where they got the idea for uh, the movie. I don't know if it's true. It's a it's a good story, you know. It's like, and Texas is well, a great bat is a great place to have the story, you know. The base. Well, two different things. Uh, number one, Leatherface obviously is his own character based off of Ed Gein. Uh, there is yeah, there yeah. was a story of I talked to somebody I worked with somebody who was, grew up in Texas and actually went to high school with Carth Brooks um, in Texas. Uh, oh. Anyway, but what she said the same thing, though. It was based off of a real family that there's basically this small town. They found a bunch of people killed. Yeah. It was just a small family where one family member was a sheriff, another family member worked at the slaughterhouse, another family member um, was the older patriarch of the family and owned this big old-fashioned mansion and you put them all together 
And basically, the sheriff, obviously because one of the members was the sheriff, um, they did all these atrocities and got away with it for so long because it was a small town. Yeah. And the sheriff did, didn't let anybody uh, get prosecuted for it. Um, another thing is that uh, Toby Hooper, this is a brilliant um, reasoning for making a movie. What he said is it was a statement, again, about the Vietnam War. Really? Uh, similar to Wes Craven making Last House on the Left. This is what he said. He says uh, he thought that America had gotten desensitized to violence. Oh. And, and he was talking about how every night he would watch scenes about of the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah. things. Number one, scenes of all these bodies, piles of bodies, dead bodies, dead young men. So the, the whole thing is, and against the hippie backdrop of teenagers just wanting to get high and go to a concert or something like that. What they were doing is they were visiting a grave because they're supposedly were their grave robbers in this area. Uh, the remake, they were going to an Aerosmith concert or something. Yeah, I like, but, um, I like the remakes because, um, like, yet again, they go a little further. I like, uh, what's his name, Lee, Army Elvie or whatever, the guy who played Full Metal Jacket, the drill sergeant. Like, he plays a good redneck uh, psychopath cop. Um the permanent typecast. I, I liked all that stuff. Um, and my wife didn't like the show on Netflix. There was a, a, a new one. He didn't like it. it um, so I get, I get what you say. Some of these remakes I like. Some of them I don't. I watch them anyway because it's just interesting to see what they do. But, um, yeah, man, I that's interesting. that And you and it, when you think of Vietnam, it's like that shit went through, like, what, half of the 70s. And so, like, it didn't end until, like, what, 74, 75 or some shit? Yeah. Um, so the rest of the story is that uh, he thought that Americans had gotten... Um, uh, desensitized, yeah. Yeah, desensitized to violence. So what it was is... Um, Yeah, I think what he did is he he was basically saying, if you're so shocked with these 18 and 19-year-old hippies or these kids getting tortured and maimed in this movie, then why aren't you, why isn't there such a severe outcry for the Vietnam War? Yeah, like you're you're banning my movie, and you don't you want to stop it from being made yet you're you believe all the war propaganda for a, a war that we shouldn't have been in in the first place. Right, right. I think it's a tremendous statement. Um, Night of the Living Dead, I guess, there was also a little um, air to that as far as the, the influence being that. I'm trying to think, and this is my favorite horror movie of all time, so I'm trying to get out every little tidbit about it that I love. I mean, the beginning yeah. of it, just the, the picture of the, the decaying dead body skull, uh, out there in the middle of nowhere in Texas and the heat. Yeah. And the, 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 there is no real theme song. The music is just reminds me of nails on a chalkboard. It's yeah. just really disturbing noise. Perfect. It's just like a, eh, yeah. Eh, yeah. and it just continues through the whole thing. Um, let me see if there's anything else about this movie. Um, the end is just tremendous. Of course, with we're, Leatherface uh, is wielding the, the chainsaw all over the place in anger for how it ends. I'm going to do a spoiler for that one. 
Um, I, I guess that's it. Uh, I just think that that movie is, I saw that when I was 10 years old. Oh, my God. Um, too young to see a movie what like that. Is? It was so severely horrifying that I didn't want to ever watch it again. It was that scary. Yeah. Um, and I finally did rewatch it maybe when I was thir- in my 30s. Even yeah. in my 30s, I was like, wow, this is still kind of Watch hard out. to watch. So um, to me, that defines a horror movie if it's if it leaves that kind of an imprint on you. Okay, so we got so that's it. That's our list of the top. Well, we'll just say the top horror movies of the 1970s uh, for a dirty mouth. This is Jesus. I uh, hope you loved this. Please tune in next time for our next episode. Have a great night, uh, and we will talk to you later. All right. Thank you for listening. Rock and roll.